We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, everybody? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And today we have a very special guest, one of our favorites, Cole. Hey, everybody. Hi, Cole. Back again. Dude, Thanks. we're so honored to have you back. back here. I like being back here. Yeah, we're going to have you as often as we can. Um, Cole, Cole, I'm so glad we have you on this episode because I feel like we're going to discuss some stuff today that uh, that you might know something about. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's doubtful. You always doubt. That's you have some we'll see. crazy good insight. There's something about the way that you talk that really rubs me the right way. <laughs> Cole, Cole. I, is, well, I aim to please. So Cole is sober. Yes, that's for why sure. we like it. in sobriety. Yeah. Well, and we got a really good uh, war story today. Um, we uh, we were able to talk to Martin. Martin um, is with uh, Serenities. Um, on clothing Instagram, brand. it's a clothing brand, um, does, uh, some fantastic work and he's got a great, great story. And one of the things that, uh, that I really liked about his story, um, is, you know, there towards the end, he talks about, uh, more will be revealed, um, mm-hmm. and how, you know, as we continue to do the work and we continue to stay sober and, um, and, you know, take those uh, steps, whether it's step work or um, just general self-insight, right? We're able to see more about ourselves, things that we never would have learned uh, if we were continuing to use and drink. And so um, I thought that that was a great topic because I think that, you know, it's uh, it's been a process. All of us here at this table have, uh, have um, what we would classify as long-term sobriety. And, uh, and as such, I think that we've all gone through these different instances where we've had to learn more, um, or we have learned more, um, as a process of going through this journey. And so, um, so I think it's worth, worth more, more was revealed whether I asked for it or not. Right. Yeah. But, but it seems like it, it comes as I'm ready, you know, because honestly, like if I had the problems that I have now year one. Oh, it would have wrecked me. It would have wrecked me, you yeah. know. And if I if I knew the struggles that I was going to have at, you know, almost 10 years, if if I knew that it was going to be the way that it is, it might have freaked me out to the point where like I may not have made it, you know. And so I think I think as things are revealed, it's it's very um appropriate as it has been in my life anyway throughout throughout the entire stint of my sobriety this time around, you know, it's come just as I've needed it, you know, usually right before another jumping off point more is revealed or, you know, when I'm, when I'm questioning or sitting on coast or resting on my laurels, Mm. if you will, you know, like the, the big book of AA talks about, I get comfortable and I start taking my own will back and then I start getting selfish. And then all of a sudden there's a new level of desperation that, that sinks in even in sobriety and then more is revealed mm-hmm. and more work needs to be done. And as I do that work, more answers come and more clarity comes and I understand myself and my story and my journey a little bit better. You know, I don't know. 
that's been kind of my experience. And it's as more has been revealed, it's always turned out to be a good thing. It's never been a negative, you know. Yeah. It, it might be scary. It's been scary and uncomfortable. Well, change, change is scary. Yeah. Whether it's whether you're new in sobriety or 10 years in or 15 years in. Mm-hmm. We're always changing and evolving, but, and that's not, this isn't, this isn't just, you know, just alcoholics that, that change. And I mean, this is life in general, life mm-hmm. in general is going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, situations are going to change. You'll get married, you'll have kids, you'll have each situation has a, has a new, uh, has new challenges to it, you know? And so it's like early on in sobriety, I think we get this. We we get into we get into the program and things get better. They uh-huh. just if we if they they just they just start to get better. Well, they have to. Yeah, like, I mean we're we're our, we're we're way down here, <laughs> right? 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 Yeah. But then the thing is, instead of start instead of putting a whole bunch of bad things into your life, you start to put a little bit of good into your life, and you're going to get good back. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it gets better. It, it things life everything gets better, and then. You go into life and you start to participate in life. And participating in life means that you now have new challenges. Mm-hmm. You have new, new things that you face. And things that you've never had to face so- sober. Exactly. exactly. In a lot of cases. Yeah. When I first got into recovery, I had one kid. Now I have three. That's, that's, that's different. That's different. New, new territory. Yeah, I'm in new territory. And now... I am uh, trying my best to to meet those challenges with uh, with sobriety and 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 that frame of thinking, and sometimes I'm not the best at that. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. just I'm just and and the, the the one thing that hooked me on this program was progress over perfection. Right. Yeah. They didn't say that you had to progress uh, like a lot every single day. Sure. You know. Or they just said, as long as you're moving forward right. at any speed or at any rate, you're doing good. And I'm like, okay, I yeah. can handle that. Right. And some days you go one step forward and that's just as good as going 10 miles forward, you know? And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's, it's hard though, as you go along, you, you kind of want to feel like you, you've, you've got to the end of the race. Like you've made it all. Yeah. Like there's a finish line. There's, yeah. You know, like there's days that feel like that. Yeah. And then I think that's when the resting on your laurels and the complacency and cause you've been to X amount of meetings, you've been to, um, you've, you've talked to hundreds of alcoholics and addicts and a lot of times it's the same story. Mm-hmm. We tell the same stories and then you start to be like, oh, I've already heard this. I've done this. And then that, insanity can start to creep yeah, in oh yeah complacency will and that complacency and and we have to kind of re-up on our double down like cameron i mm-hmm. like how cameron says i call it get back on the horse but we have to get back on the horse re-up double down whatever you want to call it before things get out of hand yeah before mm-hmm. a drink starts like seeming like a a, a viable option a good idea mm-hmm. yeah and really, when it boils down to it, I don't know a single person that's done the program perfect. I just, I don't. And it seems to me that the people that have long-term sobriety are the people that realize they've had an issue or that they've started some kind of crazy thinking and they 
they do what's necessary to change that. Mm -hmm. They get back on the horse, they double down, they get back with their sponsor. And this is well before even having another drink or a drug. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, and, and, and I think that's the process of more will be revealed. It's a natural thing that happens to everybody that your life starts to just go and you've learned what you, what you have learned in up until that point and new situations arise in your life. And you either have to um, adapt and change or you, or you sink. Yeah, or you drink. Or you drink. <laughs> Which is sinking. Yeah. 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 Drinking is sinking. <laughs> Definitely. You know. We'll put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> drinking is, is sinking. sinking. Let me ask you, Willie, just to, oh, as, I, as I'm thinking about it. Shit. Uh, I, You're I, on a hot spot. I feel like it's the hot, hot spot because I just happen to know some of what you've been dealing with lately. But what is something that you feel like has been revealed to you along the way? And um, do you feel like during this process, most of those revelations always come with a certain amount of pain. Yes. Revelations for me always come with a certain amount of pain. You know, um, I get into this space where I think something's going to fix me. You know, I forget, I forget that, um, that the drugs and alcohol and food and sex, those, those are all solutions to the way I feel about myself and the way that I think the way that I view the world. And so the way that I view the world, <clears throat> depending on where I'm at spiritually, will determine the way that I behave in the, in the natural world. And so I'll go through and I'll, I'll, I'll retake my will and I'll, I'll slowly but surely start taking back my selfishness and self-centered nature and then self-pity will fit, sit in and, and I'll start feeling like I deserve something. You know, that's that's been the history of the disease that lies between my ears for me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that we can get to a place where we're doing pretty good and running on just, just cruise control throughout just checking boxes. Right. You know, we were talking about that before the show because we get here in, in such a great amount of pain and confusion about our lives. And we're so discombobulated on how we ended up in a place like recovery, you know, whether it's treatment or detox or a 12 step meeting or a therapist couch or something, we end up in this place based in and, and centered around some sort of mental anguish usually. Right. And our know? head's still spinning. It's, when it's we just, first it's just out of control. And, yeah. and we gain a little bit of serenity through, you know, being well heard or, or hearing a solution for the first time. And then like for me, I get addicted to that solution, you know? And so I'll, I'll go balls in and, and just do all this stuff as fast as I can. I'll go to as many meetings as I can. I'll talk to as many alcoholics as I can. I'll go to, um, all these conventions and I'll listen to all these tapes and I'll take in as much information as I can and I'll, I'll alcoholically recover it, you know, like I'll, more, I'll, more, I'll more. compulsively recover. Yeah. And as the gifts of that stuff start coming back in, um, my plate gets really full and I, and yeah. I forget what I need to, how to, how to prioritize. Mm. Right. And so I'll just start checking boxes cause I'll know that my insurance policy is, uh, meetings, you know, talking with other alcoholics, one-on-one -on -one work with another alcoholic one-on-one, -on -one, like me and my sponsor, and some type of spiritual work right now it's the 12 steps again you know and and um i'm on, i'm on the four step and the reason that that i went back to that is because 
I did all the things that I just said. I, I, I let go of prayer. I let go of a connection with a power greater than myself. Um, I just went to meetings. Um, I stopped contributing. I was going there to see what I could say and show everybody how well recovered I was. And it, it wasn't from a place of intentional ego. It was coming from a place of, of a confusing alcoholism, mm-hmm. untreated alcoholism going, okay, you need to go to this place, show up so that everybody can see how recovered you are and don't worry about the ramifications or the consequences of living in untreated alcoholism, which is a state of being that's, that's living in selfishness, self-centered pity, fear, resentment, dishonesty, all those things creep back in. And, and I end up in this place where I'm having to surrender again and surrender in a new way. And I'm willing to do that because, um, this last go around with the insanity that ensued through getting COVID and being a business, you know, all the things that you just said, like we have all these new levels of success and living and, and everything's going a certain way and it, and it's feeling pretty good. And I feel like, well, I can kind of do some of this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. I end up in this place of fear and I forget what the real solution is, which is surrender. Yeah. And as more gets revealed, I'm able to handle this stuff without picking up. Right. Like, I don't know if that answers your question, but it seems like kind of a long ramp. No, no, I mean, that's good. But that's exactly but right. You get you to know? a point, you get to a point where you have a, uh, a realization, right? Yeah. That, and I, like, so we all, we all have these where what I have been doing isn't working. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's minimal. And, yeah. and, and we go back to like the innate, that, that deep down internal feeling of, of knowing right from wrong, which I, th- I think we most, most people have, right. You know, there are the, 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 um, sociopaths and the psychopaths and the, the people that are constitutionally incapable of being honest. But I think most people, especially those that are listening to the show, those that are seeking help, people that have that feeling like something's wrong in active addiction or recovery, I think most of us have that feeling of right and wrong. Yeah. And in sobriety, that usually will come up. You know, it comes up with me, but I'll, I'll push it aside. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. This, this little white lie to protect someone's feelings is fine. Right. This, this, um, lack on, on responsibility that I'm putting off until tomorrow. It's fine, but it's not, you know, and, and that will compound. Right. And it'll compound. And, and, and then I'll feel that feeling and I'll push it aside. I'll go, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about making amends for that comment because that person deserved it, you know, or, or my opinion matters or, or doing the right thing trumps or, or feeling the right way trumps doing the right thing. Right. Like, like putting shit away and, and all that stuff. But deep down, I know, right. I know when there's more work that needs to be done. Right. I'm just great at making excuses to not do it until like, I, until it gets to a point. Fucking painful. Yeah. Right. Until it gets, until it, until it hurts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm living in untreated alcoholism in sobriety without taking a drink, living yeah. in that insanity. I think I make the mistake often of, of thinking that, oh, I, kn- I know what the solution is. Like I'll get into that state of fear and pain and I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll look at everything and say, okay, yeah, I, I know what the solution is. 
and then I'll start checking boxes. Right. <laughs> and then I'll start yeah. like working this middle of the road AA. Yeah. Um, and then I'll start scratching my head going, why isn't it working? Like, yeah. why am I still insane? Like, um, and, and then, you know, luckily for me anyways, like I, I have enough of a program that I can at least talk about this stuff. I can come on here and talk about this stuff. I can talk about it to you guys and, or you guys will talk to me. And that's more, more often what it is, is like Willie has been talking to me as he's gone through this journey. And it's really caused me to like, look at my own program and go, okay, like, what the fuck is going on with me? Like, am I as happy, joyous and free as I could be? And yeah. if not, why? Like, yeah. What there, could I be? What it, could I be doing? Yeah. There's no reason why I shouldn't be right. Like yeah. everything's good. I've got this program. The people around me seem to be happy, joyous and free and they're working the same program. So like, am I actually doing everything that I could be doing? And like we said, like, that I, you know, I come to the conclusion where it's like, well, why don't I try doubling down? Yeah. And why don't I recommit and see what that gets me? Because right now, you know, half measures are, are, are getting half results. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's important that the listeners know that, that, you know, we all experience these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We go up and down in our recovery. Yeah, we do. And it's not, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, over the years go, early recovery feels like the scariest roller coaster that you've ever been on, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And as things kind of go on, the roller coaster just kind of starts to level out a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, we do have those down times. I have those down times where I'm, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And, and the important part about it is, is I think, to not get too down on yourself because it's happening. Right. Just understand that it's all part of the show. Yeah. And it's all part of it. I think, I think you can go way down when you start to do that. It's not, you know, it's, it's just acknowledging that there is, there's a problem and, uh, these are the things that I need to do to fix it. And if I don't, then, you know, there is going to be some consequences on, on, you know, on the other end. Yeah. And it's, it's, and to me, that's when I, that's when you know that somebody's serious about recovery. There's those rubber meets the road moments where you're like, what am I going to do here? Yeah. When the pain has gotten so great that I either want to run from it and mask it and hide it, or I'm going to recover. Yeah. And that can happen year one, two, five, ten, mm-hmm. seven. That yeah. could happen. Where and it does, it, yeah. yeah, all the time. And yeah. I think for me, I, I've tried to always look at the people that have long term sobriety, and it just seems like they just they have those moments and they choose recovery instead yeah. of relapse. Like that's it, 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 it's as simple as that to me, yeah. And choosing recovery means going back and doing the steps, you know, doing being more intentional with your meetings being more intentional with your, with your connection, with your higher power, mm-hmm. you know, kind of those, those simple things that we learned The the answer is not any different. Yeah. You the know, intention. Yeah. Is. The, the, per, the right. person that's 20 years sober, isn't doing anything different than the person that's two months sober. Right. The program is the exact same. Now this person may have a little more practice at it. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully does. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but getting back to basics and one of those basics for me is still no matter what your sobriety 
time is, is being open, honest, and willing right. throughout. We hear that a lot in early sobriety. Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay, yeah. Willie, you had to be open with yourself about where you were at. You had to be honest with yourself. And you had to be willing to do what it took to kind of turn things around. Yeah. You know, that's almost 10 years later. Yeah. You know, that's the same thing that somebody that just walked into a treatment center yesterday is being taught and being told that they need to be open, honest, and willing. And it's a muscle. We have to practice it. Yeah. We always have to practice That's what things. I was just thinking. We were talking before the show about, you know, the analogy of, of progressive overload in the gym. Like, you know, checking the boxes is like going to the gym and not working out, you know, and, and wondering why our body isn't changing. Mm-hmm. And and it's the same thing with recovery. But as we as we put on heavier and heavier loads like if i if i go to the gym and i lift the same amount of weight every day eventually i'm going to stop growing you know and it's the same way with with recovery you know is as i add more weight the the more i'm able to grow you know more is revealed through my ability to handle that load and i think it's i think it's as natural a process as the grass growing because all of us talk about it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to understand that, that when I'm up here, that's a good thing. And when I'm down here, that's a good thing. You know, there, it's not that I'm doing anything right or wrong or this or that I'm growing through the process. And it, it all depends on how recovered do I want to be? You know, I heard it the other day, a guy talking about, you know, you can go to the ocean with a thimble and you can get a thimble full of water or you can go to the ocean with a dump truck and you can get a dump truck full of water. Like there's enough, no matter how much you bring or how much you want, there's enough of it there depending on how much you want to put into it. Mm. And I, I, yeah, I've never heard that, but I, I really like that. It, and it kind of, so this more, more will be revealed. When I first got into recovery, it was like, I'm going to learn new lessons (laughs) <laughs> right you know yeah. what i mean yeah i'm gonna uh, learn you, you i'm gonna do, get but. to level 10 and i'm gonna learn yeah. this other trick that only <laughs> only people in level 10 can know yeah you know and that's not at all what it is <laughs> yeah it what it what it's turned out to be is understanding these principles and things on a deeper how, level. how sick i really am yeah i did that <laughs> yeah or you know like understanding being how being willing having willingness at a, at a deeper level a new level yeah at first i might just have that that thumbtack of of knowledge yeah you know what i mean but as you practice it and as things go on you might you might get a dump it's the same thing yeah it's the same ocean you know it's the same principle yeah but now you just have a dump truck full of it rather than a thimble yeah come coming to believe that you you can have that dump truck full of of recovery you know into into eventually you know we've heard we've heard the pipeline analogy like to where you tap in completely Mm -hmm. and and for me you know as it's revealed you know, as time goes on, I started understanding at a deeper and deeper level how how deep my um, my my low self esteem really is. You know sure. how deep my my un, unworthiness really is. How deep my fears really go. You know, and that's that's another thing that's been revealed to me over the years. You know, as as I've worked different. Uh, steps through, you know, work the steps throughout different periods of my sobriety, you know, 
understanding that there really is a deep level of fear in finances and having security that's 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 far beyond what I thought it was five years ago. And there's a deep level of of health concerns and and you know the outcome of life. Like there there's a deeper fear in that than what I thought five years ago, you know, and that mm. if I want to conquer those fears, I have to be willing to do the work in order to get past that. And I may want to take up these, this set of spiritual principles from a different perspective, but I can't do that if I'm not around, you know? And so like, like I, more about my ism, my alcoholism, my selfishness is revealed. The longer I'm here, the deeper I understand what they mean by you know, our problems are of our own making. I can look back and I can see like, wow, like, yeah. fuck, I did do all those yeah. things that put me in a position to be harmed. You know, I did do these things to other people that made them retaliate mm -hmm. and I didn't see it that way or, or whatever. Like I was always the arbiter of, of like what, how dysfunctional my life is. Yeah. You know? Well, and the other thing too is it's, is we like for me, the, the fear of, um, of losing those things has become greater as I, as I go down the road because I have more to lose, right? Like the gifts of recovery yeah. have been so good to me that now I have a relationship that I value. Right. Now I have um, a career that I value. Now I have all these things that before I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So like the fear of losing those things wasn't there because I didn't care. Sure. You know, especially in early sobriety where, you know, I've got a clean slate and these things are, are, you know, they're, they're not even present yet. Yeah. But now like at this point, like I've got so much more to lose than I had, you know, back in early sobriety. So of course the fear of losing these things has become, you know, more extensive as time has gone on. Yeah. And as the fear has gotten greater, so must my defense. Right. And the defense is, again, all these things that we have been talking about where I'm not checking boxes. I'm going to meetings with intention. I'm I'm doing the nightly inventory with intention. I'm asking yeah. myself, like, why is it that I'm doing this? Am I doing this to write things down so that I can go to bed? Or am I doing this because I want to be a better person yeah. because I want to show up for the friends and family around me because I want to be present at activities. And I, you know, like I, I'm best in those relationships, in those situations when I don't have to think about the stuff that I'm not doing and I can just be 100% me and authentic in those instances. And so, you know, as we're talking about this, one of the biggest things that that I hear and, and you are so good about this Cole. And I, that's why I always appreciate it when you come on the show, because you remind me of how, um, how not great I am at this, but <laughs> you were, you were talking about how okay. it's, it's so important in this process as I go through and I realize certain things about myself, not to beat myself up. Right. Like, cause I am, king at just kicking the shit out of myself for certain things. Like if I start seeing my program lacking and I start seeing some insanity creep in and I start isolating and I start doing all the things I know that just perpetuate that cycle, I start kicking the shit out of myself and I start just beating myself up, which again brings out those character defects and just allows that selfishness to totally take off. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like really, really in it. And so the beating myself up, like the reason why I appreciate you saying it is it's a good reminder that that's just a way for me to keep 
staying sick. It's just yep. a way for me to perpetuate the cycle. And so that's one of the biggest things that I always take away from this conversation with you, Cole, is like, right, I got to treat myself with some kindness yeah. and understand that like I'm human and that me beating myself up in this instance again is not going to help me at all. It's just a way to perpetuate things. And so that's one of the things that to me has been revealed again, as I go down the process and through, through this journey. So thank well, you. I, yeah. the, I bring that up a lot because I struggle with that a lot. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's something that, that, um, very early on was actually probably one of the, one of the biggest things that a counselor told me, he goes, he goes, God, Cole, you're just a walking ball of self-pity aren't you? <laughs> yes. I had known this guy Thanks. for five minutes. Yeah, like, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I had some choice words. He picked words. it up pretty quick. Yeah, I had some choice words for that man. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, uh, he goes, well, am I wrong? And I said, nope. Doesn't make me like you. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> so fine. Okay, how do I fix it? You know? Like, yeah, how do I they, drink like a normal person? Yeah, I... I mean, that's something that I struggled with, but that's a tricky one too, because you can beat yourself up on one side or you can on the other side be like, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And, and everything is fine and put the blinders on kind of like you were saying. So the whole beat yourself, not beat yourself up thing is not a free pass to do whatever you want. Right. Or continue your behaviors. It's, it's looking at it from a purely factual point of view. Correct. Facts, yes. facts do not care how you feel about them. Facts don't care about feelings. They don't. So when I look at myself, I have, I have to, if not, I will, I will fall into either, I will go into either one of these sides mm -hmm. of self-pity and self-loathing self or blinders and it's okay and I'm, and I'm fine and I need to be kind to myself. So I'm just going to allow myself to continue to behave this, this certain way. Yeah. I have to look at it from, I have to remove, and that's very hard, but I have to remove my feelings about the subject and say, uh, did I do this? Yes, I did do that. doesn't matter how I feel about it. I did this. What is it that I need to do to fix that? And that, that's a very hard, it's been a hard thing for me to, to have to, to have to do, because like you said, Willie, we, I know I can't speak for everybody, but I know the difference between right and wrong. Right. I know that. But most of the time, uh, we all know the difference between right and wrong until we check and see how we feel about it. Yeah. Well, whether we're going to get in trouble. Over yeah. Yeah. Not. Once we know the facts, right. <clears throat> but then we check and see like, Ooh, but, and then we, well, I know that this is the right way, but I feel like we should probably yeah. go this way. See, feelings are, feelings are okay. I've, I've, a sobriety has allowed me to feel again. Uh-huh. Okay. But I have to keep my feelings in check because my feelings, I ran my whole life on feelings before and it, I mean, I, I drinking burned felt it, like the yeah, right yeah, thing. I burned it to the ground. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Facts didn't matter. So yeah, I mean, it, I like to, I like to try to just my best to just be right down the middle. When I'm looking at myself, I try to only look at facts mm -hmm. and not the story behind it and not this. Cause I mean, you talk, I talk to a lot of alcoholics and they're like, 
uh, well, I did this and this, but it was because my wife this and she this and and it made me feel like this. And I, I to be honest, I just start kind of rolling my eyes because I'm just like, yeah, none of the none of the other stuff that you just said matters. Yeah, yeah, but we've been there too, right? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I've been. We know there, that. So I do have yeah, that. Exactly yeah, and say, but it it kind of you when you're when when we're trying to fix something, we have to go right to the problem, fix that problem. And all of the other stuff tends to just get better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we have to take responsibility for our own things. And, we'll, and that's what I really like about what you were saying is, is you're looking at yourself and not what, you know, what other people, you know, you're taking accountability for your actions mm. and not looking at anyone else or any other situation or, and I think for me, that was very important that I, I mean, if, if there was even a sliver of somebody else's fault in my story, I wasn't, I wasn't fully recovering. Yeah. You weren't responsible for your own story. Exactly. Exactly. And I actually, I mean, one that we'll get into it, but, uh, Martin's war story. I mean, I just heard 100% accountability. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's a huge part of sobriety, man, is you got to. Yeah. You got to be accountable for your actions, not necessarily for your thoughts, but for your actions against those thoughts. And it's important to remember, like if if you buy into um, drug addiction and alcoholism like like we have, you know, come to terms that it's a disease that centers in the mind. Right. Which which I have come to terms with and agree with that statement. Um, If that be the case, then, you know, some of the stuff that I'm told is probably true also like um i have a disease that's cunning baffling and powerful and every thought is ran through this filter this alcoholic filter that i have inside of me that i don't have any control of and it's like the alcoholic in my mind is over here filtering everything i say and do through this process to try to get me to take a drink and it's throwing these fucking thoughts at me all day long going you know Here's, here's, here's a possible resentment. Here's a possible fucking excuse. Here's a, here's a good reason. Here's, here's this, this thought, here's this feeling. And it's just throwing these options to drink at me all day long. Cause everything that I do throughout the day, the alcoholic is trying to find an excuse to take a drink, take a drug or take something from out there and change the way that I feel in here. And it's important for me to remember that, you know, that's something that's been revealed to me over time that, you know, the drink isn't the problem. That was the solution for the problem. Right. That's, and I still have that problem today. It's it's carried with me for a very, very, very long time. Um, I don't see it going anywhere because I bought into alcohol. Uh, alcoholism centers in the mind. You know, I bought into that. I, mm-hmm. I believe it is fact. And so I'm able to, if I can start on that premise on a daily basis that, okay, I'm alcoholic and, and me of myself make my life unmanageable because I buy into what the alcoholic is telling me. And then I'm disconnected from the people that love me. I'm disconnected from my work. I'm disconnected from my program. And I go through checking these boxes to make sure that everybody else thinks I'm okay. You know, then I end up sick again. And like having, having that, pattern long enough throughout my sobriety has revealed to me that I don't get the luxury of taking days off from my recovery. You know, right. I don't get it. I don't get a skip a medication day. 
<laughs> if I if I if I skip a dose, then I gotta fucking re uh, I gotta double down. Yeah. Well, the, one of the probably one of the biggest things that impacted me early on in recovery was that a guy told me he said you're either working on recovery or you're working on a relapse. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. there's no yeah. there's no middle ground. You know, so if, and I, and 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 being being honest, I have not gone the last eight years every single day working on recovery. No, you know, fuck no, we no, got a disease. I, I wish it's I tricky. could. Yeah, I wish I could say that that I that I could, but there had been weeks or months where where you know not willingly, but you know where I had not been going down the right path. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just, and then, and then it gets to the point where the pain starts setting in and you're like, oh man, uh, I got to fix some stuff. What's going on with me? Yeah. What's happening to me? And then I got to, and then I got to, you know, move the other way. But uh, that I've all, I having that question in my mind, am I working on recovery or am I working on a relapse? Yeah. That, that's been something that's, that's stuck with me for a really long time because I can, if I'm honest with myself, I can usually answer that question and know exactly what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and, and again, sort of going back to the right and wrong thing, it, it's, it's amazing that it, when I find myself in that situation where I have sort of veered off or I've, I've, and we kind of talked about this in one of the most recent episodes where, um, you know, I'm sort of restless, irritable and discontent. I can get in a mode where I start thinking that restless, irritable and discontent is just the new normal. You know, and I forget mm-hmm. what it's like to be happy, joyous, and free. But luckily, like, I have some direction, right? Like, I've got this good orderly direction, you know. Um, call it a higher power. Call it a program of recovery. Like, whatever it is, like, I have something that I can go to, something that, you know, was taught to me um, in recovery, something that I was introduced to when I was the sickest I've ever been. Yeah. And, and through that, I can always come back to that and, and ask myself, like, what can I be doing to really like help myself in this situation? And remembering too, that man, I'm fucking powerless over things. And when I start taking my will back and I start thinking that I know how to run the show, that's when things just go to shit. You know? <laughs> um, and, and it happens every time, you know, but again, like just, I, I am, I'm so thankful that I have a place to go, a place, you know, that I was introduced to and yeah, we're and the lucky ones for sure. We're the lucky yeah. ones. And, um, and Martin too, you know, Martin, um, you know, was able to get into a program of recovery where he learned so much about himself and was able to finally like put some decent, uh, some decent clean time and some good, healthy, clean time together, yeah. you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and now he's doing his thing, man. He's yeah. totally crushing it and he lives and breathes, you know, recovery. And I think that that's the point that we, that we have to get to in order to see, you know, the, the, the most we can about ourselves yeah. and, and have those people around us benefit. Yeah. Straight up. And, and his story is so, uh, um, it, it's so it's not normal because of of the latency of his of getting started like he didn't get started till way later and, and uh it progressed really fast right and and um so did his sobriety like a lot was revealed very quickly for him mm-hmm. you know and I, I appreciate the way that he delivers a story so yeah he did a really good job i'm excited to uh to share his story with everybody so with that This is Martin's War Story. 
I'm a grateful recovering addict. My name is Martin. I've been clean now for uh, 1,222 days. My clean date is May 10th, 2018. Um, take it back. Um, I grew up super religious um, in a military family. Um, went to church, got grades in school. And um, my adolescence was pretty much normal. I mean, I, you know, we drank and smoked cigarettes on the weekends with friends. You know, we would sneak uh, liquor out of our parents' liquor cabinets and, you know, cigarettes from from unattended, you know, packs or whatnot. Um, but we never did drugs. Um, so my, my teenage years, for the most part, seemed normal. Um, it, it didn't start getting crazy until actually uh, I visited Vegas after my 21st birthday, um, shortly after my 21st birthday, and hung out there with friends and uh, was out there for a week and I fell in love with it like instantaneously. So much so that I put my notice in and stayed another week out there and started looking for a job. And uh, yeah, a week later, I was moving out to Vegas. Um, I got a job there, or excuse me, here, because uh, I live in, I live here in Vegas now. And um, yeah, coming uh, to Vegas pretty much woke up a sleeping giant in my head. Um, it started out with um, gambling, uh, blackjack, almost every night. Um, I would go to work. After work, I would go to the casino, play blackjack. Um, depending on how much money I won or lost, I would stay there for a couple hours or sometimes I'm there all night and then I would go straight to work the very next day. Um, and with gambling, uh, drinking and uh, smoking pretty much came um, pretty easily. Um, so I did that for, for a couple of years here in Vegas and um, had a couple of failed marriages. Um, and... Um, it wasn't until after those two failed marriages that um, I got introduced to the drugs. Um, I was hitting the Vegas nightlife scene, and everything was super new to me. You know, the nightclub, the bars, the girls, the music. And one night, uh, you know, I was actually hanging out with uh, some friends, and my brother, my little brother, was with me, and. Um, you know, I was asked if I wanted to, to take ecstasy. And I had never taken drugs my entire life, ever. You know, like we grew up, you know, my parents were telling us, you know, alcohol and cigarettes were for adults, um, don't do drugs. And that's pretty much how I lived my life. So, um, you know, I had never done it. And I was, what, 28 by this time. And my, my brother looks at me and I was like shaking my head. And he was like, okay, shaking his head, okay. And then like a few minutes later, he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, I've, I've done this before. You know, not that big of a deal. Um, I'll even split one with you. And I was like shocked that my, you know, my little brother was asking me if I wanted to do drugs with him. And um, so I did. I, I tried my first drug and it was, and it was ecstasy. And that right there was an opening to this whole world of just craziness for like the next, you know, four or five months. It, I was 
treatment by pain every single night. I was doing drugs. I got introduced to all kinds of other club drugs. And it was just nonstop from there, nonstop. Um, for like four months, I was like dealing, um, you know, dealing ecstasy in the clubs and like, and I got, I got in trouble. I got busted and I ended up doing, you know, some time in jail. And luckily for me, my girlfriend at the time, the judge was um, my girlfriend's cousin's godfather. So I got away with two years of probation, a year of drug counseling and time served. I was, I was in jail for 13 days. And um, that didn't stop me. You know, I was reporting to my drug counseling once, once a month and I was still doing drugs. Um, after a year of drug counseling, went back to courts. Um, my two-year probation got dropped down to one-year probation, um, and my gross, my misdemeanor got dropped down to a gross misdemeanor. And then what did I do? I celebrated by going on a five-day bender. I disappeared for like five days, and was just hitting everything that I could. And uh, it, it got really crazy, and that's pretty much how I lived my life for the next couple of years. Um, my girlfriend at the time, her and I got, ended up getting married. We ended up having a kid. And in 2005, I got into a car accident. And this car accident screwed up my back, screwed up my neck. And, um, you know, doctor asked me to uh, do physical therapy and also prior prescribing me pain medication. Um, so I've never done prescription drugs before. Um, Tylenol, Advil was the most I've ever done. And so he started giving me, you know, this, this uh, pain management regimen of um, taking these pain pills, you know, three times a day. And so I started doing that. Not abusing them, still partying on the weekends or whatever with friends. And uh, after like a couple of months, I started noticing that I was having a hard time sleeping. And um, so I went to my doctor and so my doctor prescribed me sleeping medication. Um, so I started taking that. And um, that, that took like a couple of months. And, and after that, I started noticing, I, I was like waking up groggy and like I couldn't function, wanting to stay in bed longer and just like feeling lethargic in the morning. And went back to the doctor again and told him, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And, uh, he prescribes me um, Adderall. So to back up a little bit, um, I'm diagnosed ADHD, but I never took medication because my parents were fully against it. Um, so my doctor's aware of this. So he says, well, why don't you just try Adderall? It's gonna, it's gonna wake you up. It'll, it'll help you focus at work and whatnot. So now I'm taking, you know, Lortabs, and I'm taking Ambien, and now I'm taking um, Adderall. I'm doing this now, and it's been six months since my, my accident. And uh, I'm, out, I'm at work one time, and I'm doing my work. And the next thing I know, I'm like starting to have a hard time breathing. My chest starts like pounding super fast. And then I started freaking out. I swear I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, my mouth started to get super dry, and I'm just like getting all clammy. And, and um, my boss actually ended up calling paramedics, and the paramedics come. 
and you know they they um, put me on a gurney and put me in um, the uh, ambulance, and they had me strapped up, um, all sorts of stuff, and had the oxygen machine on, and and so he's lost. He's asking me all these questions, like you know, have you taken anything? Have you done this? Have you done that? I'm so I'm, like, I'm, I'm telling him I have all these you know prescription medication that I'm taking. And so I lift off all the medication. And uh, as I was like telling him all this, he's like, okay, well, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. And never had a panic attack before. And so started to calm down a little bit. And so the EMT was just telling me, you know, I, I, I advise you, you should probably go back to your doctor and change up your, your medication because now that you've had your first panic attack, you're probably going to have more. And um, so I did that, like immediately, as soon as I left the, the office that day, went to my doctor. And my doctor, um, instead of changing up my, my medication, he, uh, he adds Xanax on top of it for my panic attacks. So I started taking that, and it's been, what, six, seven months now since my, my car accidents. And I'm taking these four, like, super strong, like, medications. And um, nothing and nothing of it. I just thought it was normal because prescribed by my doctor. So I just take it as prescribed, and I'm not abusing them by any means. But um, I did that for 13 years. I was on these medications, literally taking every day for 13 years. Um, I didn't realize I had a problem with them until I tried to quit them. Um, it got to the point where I was just like tired of taking these pills. And one day I was just like, well, I'm just going to stop taking them, not realizing you're not supposed to do that. And oh my God, the withdrawal from those medications, oh, I felt like I was dying. Like my, just, my insides were just falling. And they just wanted, they just wanted to feel like the skin off my, my, my body. And like, I had no choice but to just popping pills again to, to relieve all that pain. Um, I was going through some marital issues back in 2013. I, you know, I found my, my wife uh, having an affair. And um, unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't think I was trying to kill myself, but I ended up in the hospital. I just woke up one morning and I was in the emergency room and the doctor was telling me, like, hey, were you, are you trying to harm yourself? And I'm like, no. And myself, and he's like, "Well, we found an excessive amount of sleep, uh, sleeping pills in your in your system." And uh, so I was held for seventy two hours. And after seventy two hours, you know, they let me go. They said I, I probably should go see um, my doctor and probably do some therapy um, because I did tell them that I was having some marital issues. And after talking to my my wife, you know, we we did decide to go to marriage counseling. And um, well, things got okay for a little bit, and uh, life went on, and I just like on autopilot, like like it has been for the past few years. Um, this was 2013, so fast forward to 2016, I find find out again she's having an affair, a different guy this time. Now we're just done. I was just like, dude, we're done. Um, you go your way, I'll go my way, and. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I'll show you. Um, I started hitting the clubs again, started hitting the bars again, um, started doing even more drugs on top of the prescription drugs I was already taking. And 
it got crazy. Like, I was screwing up at work. Um, I skipped out on, like, you know, hanging out with my kids. Um, I was just, like, screwing up my life, like, worth and worth and worth every, as every day went by. And um, this one day, um, I come home, and my, my wife is there with the kids, and she's just, like, grilling me, asking me all these questions, like, where have you been? I haven't seen you. The kids are asking about you. Um, are you okay? Are you on drugs? Is this, that, or another? And I just wanted to like tell her to shut the hell up, right? And I just wanted to get out of there. I wanted to leave there. But then she just started going at me, going at me, and like telling me this, telling me that you're a bad father, you're a bad husband, and this, that, or another. And um Meanwhile, I was like trying to move her out of the way because she was blocking the doorway um, of our master bedroom. And so I finally got her to move and I opened the door and there were my two kids standing up uh, on the outside of the master bedroom and both of them crying. And um, that like, that was like a dagger to the heart. And um, it made me feel like shit, like super, super bad. Um, I was already feeling like a failure, you know, at, at life, at work, as a father, as a husband. And to see all of that, like, happening in front of me. It was just like, that's it. I mean, what's the point of being here? What's, what's the point of living? What's the point of going through all this? Um, everything's falling apart, failing left and right at, at, at this, that, or another. Um, I hopped on the motorcycle and just drove. I was on the road for about an hour, just thinking in my head, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? And I made the decision that I'm, I'm going to end it. I'm done. I'm done fighting for my life, fighting for their lives, fighting for life, period. Um, I drive back home. Everybody was gone. I loaded up my backpack with all my prescription pills, whatever other pills that were in the house. My um, ex-wife was a pill user too, so I just grabbed everything that she had. And I checked into a local hotel and um, went upstairs to, to, to my room. Um, I emptied out everything onto the bed. Um, I had bought a couple of bottles of whiskey from the gift shop and I just started opening bottles. Started opening bottles and just downing whatever was left in each bottle with whiskey. And there must have been 10 different types of medications there on top of all the stuff that I was already taking. And um, I pulled down the covers, I turned on the TV, and I just laid there and watched TV. Um, I must have just passed out. But then the next morning, I woke up at 6.04 a.m. And I remember that time. It's like, I was surprised. I was like, what the hell? Like, that could have killed me. There was so much stuff that I had taken, stuff that I'm not even described that I've taken. And I started, I started thinking, like, what the hell? That, that should have killed me. I was just stuck on stupid. So, and, I, and I was out of stuff. I was still dead set in my mind. This is what I'm going to do. And I didn't know what else to do. So pull up my phone go on Craigslist and just start looking for whatever I could find. I find this, this drug dealer on Craigslist and um, I met up with him. 
I bought, I bought, uh, I said, whatever you have, give it to me. He gave me a, uh, a ball of crystal, half a ball of Coke and a couple of mollies. And, um, I go back to my hotel room and same thing. I just started dumping it into my hands and just washing it all down with whiskey. And, uh, same deal. Laid in bed, turned on the TV, passed out again. And this time it was uh, like 11.15 the very next morning I woke up again. But this time I was covered in blood. I had dried blood on the side of my face, dried blood on my shirt, dried blood on my sheets. And honestly, I, I blacked out that day because I must have just started drinking because the very next morning I wake up in the bathroom of my hotel room. It's uh, a cockiness in my right hand and a half inch gap on my left wrist. And as I was sitting up, I saw that the, I saw the bathtub was, was full and empty bottles of whiskey in the bathroom. And um, you know, I'm struggling to get up and I see my reflection in the mirror. And first thing that comes to mind is, is what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing to those boys? And um, I freaked out. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this to my, doing, doing this to my boys. Um, so I packed all my stuff up and I just checked out and went home. I called my wife. I said, hey, I'm home. And so she comes, you know, she comes there and, again, just starts grilling me. Like, what happened? Where are you? It's been three days. I, everyone's worried about you. I got a missing person report out on you. And... Um, I just wanted her to shut up. I was like so hungover from the night before. Um, she ends up calling her sister, who I'm really good friends with because we worked at the same company. And her sister comes and calms her down and, you know, takes her out of the room and she starts talking to me. And she's like, you know, why don't you call, you know, EAP, which is an employee assisted program, you know, through our work and just let them know what's going on and maybe they can help you. So I did that. I called them. They gave me three numbers to uh, three uh, treatment facilities here in Vegas, and it started going down the list. Um, I called the first one. The first one's an acting machine. I think it's kind of funny. It's like, well, uh, I'm trying to kill myself. Call me back. <laughs> but um, the second one, no answer. And the third one, and I can still remember her voice, uh, Whitney. He just started talking to me, asking me what's going on. It's on her everything that I went through the past three nights. And she's like, well, we can, we'll take you like, right now. We're ready for you right now. Um, you know, I, I said, well, that's amazing. Let me hang out with my boys because I don't know how long I'm going to be in there. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me hang out with my boys. I haven't seen them in three days, have dinner or whatever. And, then we'll and so that's what I did. I hung out with my boys. We had dinner. We watched a couple movies and then we went to bed. Very next day, my, my uh, wife comes and helps me back, and she takes me to the treatment center. And then, so as I'm getting as I'm getting checked in, you know, you know, the, the guy, the intake guy, was to ask me all these questions. And here I'm thinking, again, I don't, I don't think I had a drug issue. I just figured I had like some mental issue because I'm like suicidal. Um, he's all asking me all these these questions. He's like, dude, no. Yeah, you have a mental issue, but it's, it's addiction. You're you're addicted to drugs, and, and the drugs are screwing with your mind, and that's why you're you know going through all of this. 
super in denial. Like, no, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict. But um, I said, hey, you know what? I'm here. The last three days was hell. Uh, I'm in. Let me just check in and let's, let's do this. So I ended up doing a, a 60 day program. Um, you know, I did a five day detox and I did a 15 day um, inpatient and then a 45 day outpatient. And I learned so much about addiction and um, trauma that, that I went through as a kid. And um, I owe a lot to, uh, to that treatment center. I owe a lot to Whitney who answered that phone call that day. Um, in the treatment center, you know, I was introduced to um, all the anonymous programs, AA, NA, uh, CM, ACA, you name it, call them. And the one that really uh, rung through to me was um, it dealt with addiction as a whole, not just, you know, specific um, substance. And um, to this day, I, you know, I still practice uh, the Narcotics Anonymous um, um, 12-step program. I'm a sponsor. I go to meetings. Um, I talk to my people regularly. Um, I like to say I talk to my sponsor often, but, you know, it's... These days, it's, it's a little bit hard. You know, we're both working and we're super busy, but when we do talk, we talk. And um, and he's always there for me when when he needs me uh, or when I need him. But, um, you know, I, I live and breathe recovery because, you know, my active addiction took away everything in my life, but my active recovery brought everything back. And um, and then some. And, and it's still bringing more stuff, you know, because, you know, like they say in NA, you know, more, more will be revealed. And as I keep working the program, as I keep working my recovery, um, more stuff is coming my way. You know, um, I'm very fortunate. Healthy relationship with my family and my two boys are in my life on a daily basis right now. Um, got a new house, working on a new car, and I mean, I have my own business and I owe that to recovery, you know, being in recovery and just staying focused and doing the next right thing. And uh, one thing with recovery is, you know, it's it's not for the people that need it, it's for the people that want it. So if you want if you want a new way, a better way to live, you gotta go for it. You can find me um, at uh, Serenity Collection on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Serenity is a uh, recovery influence clothing line. Um, it's it it reflects my personal recovery, like to the T. Like everything about Serenity's is my personal recovery journey, uh, along with my fiance. Um, I, I, all the designs, all the things, it's stuff that rings true to how we live our recovery, and we just wanted we just wanted to stand out. You know, um, funny stories. We actually when we started going to meetings, we wanted to wear um, recovery clothing, but we couldn't find anything that we liked. And so for both artists, I'm a graphic artist. We're like, hey, why don't you just make your own recovery clothing line? So that's what I did. So my two passions, recovery and graphic design, art, I kind of put them together and it was you know, two passions for a purpose. Um, so that's, that's how the one came about. Yeah, I really like that. It's, it's not for people that need it. It's for people that want it.
Yeah, that that stuck out to me big time. You want a new way of life? Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, man. Well, thanks, example. man. Martin, Martin was a... Uh, was really awesome to talk to is is uh is high time i met him i've you know been back and forth with him for for a little bit and uh i knew i wanted to get his story and um was really excited to talk to him and and man his story was awesome what did you yeah. guys think yeah it was it was a wild ride there for him for a while can you yeah can you imagine getting started at such a late age but but like like the feeling of your loved one coming to you with a line that's been crossed Mm. and you in that you know i i can recognize that like that moment of okay so i guess we're gonna do this huh we're gonna we're gonna i guess we're doing ecstasy now right you know and then it just progresses you know it just progresses and progresses and progresses and and martin was was obviously like kind of oblivious to what was really going on with his doctors, you know, and like eventually it, it got out of hand, obviously, you know, I was like, where do you get this doctor? (laughs) (laughs) When I heard his doctor, you know, because that is a cocktail. Oh, for yeah. like, and uh, for 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, I'm amazed that it's, that was my jam. Like those, those exact things, yeah. you know, my jam for, for a while. Yeah. That's I mean, to, to go 13 years of being, being on those things, I mean, you, that's a long, that, I would have, I would have burned my, I would have burned my life down in a year. Gnarly detox. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of wild to hear. And, and I, one thing that I definitely related to Martin when he was sitting there talking to, I think it was the counselor the, at the, at the treatment center, he he's just like going through and he thought that it was, it was meant he had mental illness, mental problems, yeah, right. you know, that that was the, that was the real reason why his life was, was I've been there upside down. I, and I, I had been into an intake interview with my, um, where the treatment center that I went to and I laid out, I, I told this guy everything that was going on with me and I spent an hour talking and at the very end, he was like, yeah, okay, well, I think you, I think you need to be here. And, and I said, <laughs> okay, 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 but what are we going to do about the severe depression, severe right. anxiety, su- yeah. suicidal ideation, all of these things that I've been diagnosed with? What are we going to do about that? And he goes, well, all that tends to get better when, when uh, we remove the drugs and alcohol out of the <laughs> equation. <laughs> I wanted, I was, I was upset. I was so angry that he just... That's all you heard? That, yeah. yeah, out of like an hour and a half of me telling that's him... That's how I relax. A huge sob story of everything that's gone on with Cole for the last while. And all he's got to say is, mm, yeah, well, that tends to get better. Yeah, yeah well, like, more will be revealed, pal. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to kill him. I, I was so mad. Dude, how about how about those... those uh, the suicide attempt there. Yeah. He had a couple of really, I'm really glad that dramatic work suicide out. Oh man. You know, that's a, that's a good example of God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And, and we've heard it, you know, so many times that, you know, we get to that jumping off point. We don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we do? Yeah. I, I mean, you can tell, you can tell just how lost he was because, you know, he's, he's finding himself in this situation where he's just, he's, He's using uncontrollably. He doesn't really know what to do. And and then he sees his kids. And his kids are crying because of, you know, the drama that's happening in the household. And 
And, you know, and, and I feel like I've heard a lot of different stories where that situation goes one of two ways. It's like, it, it goes to, man, I got to get my shit together. Or it goes to, man, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. You know, and I can see why it makes sense, you know, to think in both, both ways when we're in the insanity of the disease. Yeah. And, you know, and that was enough for him to, to set out, make a plan, follow through. And then, and then when it was unsuccessful, try again. Yeah. You know, and, and again, being unsuccessful. And can you imagine, I mean, if he would have, if he would have succeeded, you know, like what it would have left those kids with. Yeah. And that's uh, what we do. We leave nothing but messes right. when we mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff. But we're in such a sick state, you know, again, like that's not a drug problem. That's a thinking problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's definitely a thinking problem because he's sober today and, and thriving and oh, yeah. in it, mm-hmm. you know, started his, his clothing brand. He's got a new fiance that's in recovery with him, uh, you know, just, just doing great stuff on the recovery front, staying connected through NA and, and, you know, I think it's great. It's super great. And, and I just want to mention like one of the things that, that he and I had talked about after, um, after we were rolling, um, because his, his clothing brand, he really decided to take off with the Serenity's clothing brand, um, like during COVID, you know, as a way to, reach people as a way to stay connected to the community and, and a way to sort of adapt during that time, you know, and, and find out what he had to do to stay plugged in and to keep working a program. And, you know, as we were talking about it, I was, um, you know, I told him, I'm like, dude, that's the only reason I'm talking to you right now is because of COVID. Honestly, like, there was such good things that came out of that situation where we were all locked down, we were all quarantined, we all couldn't go and do the things that we normally do. Like for us, it opened several doors. Like mm-hmm. We started talking to people that were outside of the rooms and that were outside of our community. And we reached out to people via Zoom to get these war stories. And all of a sudden we're connecting with people we never would have connected with before. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's just an example of, you know, again, like God working for us, like doing things for us that we couldn't do ourselves. And so um, I'm just super grateful to Martin. Yeah, Martin. Thank you. Thank you. Great job. Awesome. Um, And uh, and we're going to be doing some exciting things with Martin. And so stay tuned for that. Um, And uh, we're going to be doing some exciting things in general. We've got uh, coming up here. We've got a recovery expo. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So my. my wife, she started a nonprofit. Um, it's called We Are One Recovery, and uh, every year we host a or we put on a recovery expo, and where we bring in, you know, different speakers, and we just kind of have a night where um, speakers come in, they tell their stories. Uh, kind of some local speakers here in Utah. We do have uh, one one gal from I believe it's it's the East Coast of Virginia. I think she's flying in. Um, she's got a unique perspective on recovery. Um, but what we wanted to do is, is, is give a night where people can come in and listen to, listen to people. And then also we'll have booths with local resources here, Northern Utah resources for addiction recovery. Um, and anybody that either has a family member or they themselves, if you're the one that's struggling and you want to see what's out there, what's available to you, um, come to the recovery expo it's september 30th 
at the Monarch in Ogden, Utah, and listen to some speakers, see what resources are out there. And then even if you've had extended recovery, um, you know, you guys will be there yeah. and, uh, you know, there, it'll just, it'll open you up to what, what's available to you. Um, and what podcasts you can listen to for your, you know, your daily, your, your, yeah. your daily recovery, all the tools, um, man. you know, lots of tools. Uh, but the speakers, the speakers are, have been, have been fantastic and they're great to come in and listen to. And, and, uh, big bonus, uh, we, we have a taco truck. Oh, um, that will be there as nice. well. Yes. So taco Thursday, come for the taco Thursday. Yes. Um, but make a night of it. Come and, yeah. and eat and some what, tacos. What time is it? Is it five to nine? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. And so, I'll give you guys a flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can put up on your Instagram and, and things, Sweet. but, uh, but yeah, this is, it's been a passion project for, for my wife. I, 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 she's she's the main person I, I help as much as I can yeah, yeah. Um, you know but it's helped her it's helped her recover getting involved it's helped her and can we um, mention like your wife your wife is not what we would classify an addict or alcoholic right no no right. she's mm-hmm. she's uh, she's a, a family member of an alcoholic that's right um, and, and what a great thing for her to do to, in order to like support you support the community like it's really cool to see her do this from the perspective that she has. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, she realized really early on that she needed to, to dive in and, mm-hmm. and to kind of look at, at, at her life and the things that, that, um, you know, the way that she had it handled situations. I'm not saying that they were bad. Sure. Um, but cause she had to handle those situations because of the ways that I was acting. Right. right? Um, but you know, there was some healing that needed to happen there. Um, because of what I was doing. It's a family disease. Yeah. And, and she's sought that out. And part of that healing is she, she really does, uh, you know, it's amazing. Her heart goes out to people that are struggling with addiction, struggling with suicide, struggling with mental illness. She, she, her, you know, that was our story. That's what we, you know, we went through. I had the Martin moment where the Martin moment, yeah, the Martin moment where I, you know, I had a gun in my mouth and I, I started pulling the trigger. It moved mm. and, uh, and the gun didn't go off. And then when that happened, I looked and I thought, wait a minute, what am I doing? Man. You know, and, and, you know, when he was waking up and he finally was like, sees his kids and he's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you wake up from a bad dream. Yeah, for real. It is like it, it like the the moment just moments prior to you were in this fog or this I mean I can't even explain it and then it's just like you snap out of it for a split second and you're like whoa mm-hmm. what what's happening here there's some big problems going yeah. on and I don't know that I had really I was like I need to get my shit together right now in that moment, all I knew was what was going on was not right. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't believe that I had gotten to that point. Like it it was like, I was living a whole nother life up until that moment. And it just, you know, so yeah, I related to him when he's like, wow, like what am I going to do to these boys? Yeah. You know what, you know? And so, um, you know, Amanda, my wife, she, you know, she has a really, 
a really big heart and she wants to help and that's why she wants to host this these events and, and do it once a year um so come out support it meet these guys if yeah. you haven't met them before um, we're real well i i'm 50 percent made of chocolate <laughs> <laughs> but it's real chocolate but that's what makes you so sweet exactly. oh damn uh, that was smooth Ooh, okay. um, yeah that's why your wife loves you one of the two things yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well we are really excited to be there man we we love um love being involved with this organization that your wife has and and we're big fans um and so we're we're excited to be out there please come out meet us we're gonna walk around with the camera and be asking some questions we're gonna have a booth with some t-shirts and uh and some merch and so uh we would love to meet you guys and we'd love to uh to meet everybody that's involved with recovery and help in any way we can so yeah um so don't be shy <clears throat> that is thursday september 30th from five to nine come out be there or be sober yeah i was gonna say squad in utah yeah anyways guys yeah martin thank you yeah martin amazing story man. cole thanks it's always a pleasure. Always yeah. a pleasure. To so come. great to have you here, Jordan. And Jordan, you're all right. And the other Jordan. Which whose phone was making noise? I'll kill you. Ah, oh, nobody wants to feather to the <laughs> phone. Uh, Rylan, thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you, man. Love you, Rylan. Willie, you're the shit. You are. Remember, everybody out there, you are also worth the work. We'll see you on the other side. See ya. Great. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.